And once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have, first of all, respect. The second one is commitment. The third one, passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable. Hello and welcome into the Non-Negotiables podcast. I'm Gavin and I'm here tonight with Justin. How are you doing, Jazz? Doing all right, Gav. How are you? Good, mate. Good. Um, Pascal can't be here tonight, unfortunately. He's flown over to England to confront Howard Webb and PGMOL uh, and try and sort this mess out. And uh, quite frankly, I, I think he, he, he needs to do it because someone needs to needs to sort this out. Um, yep. So it was a mess of a weekend. Let's be fair. <laughs> it was a mess all over the place. It wasn't just us. The hilarious Spurs-Chelsea game oh. last night, which we will we'll probably talk a little bit about in the second half because it was the funniest thing that I've ever seen. Um, that that occurred. Um, but it was just a shambles, our game, really. And, and it's a shame that it ended like that. So let's before we get on to the VAR, let's just talk about a couple of other little things. Um so first of all, I think when we started, we we kind of we felt that um, you you weren't here last week, obviously. But when I was speaking to to Elliot on the when he was guest when he was guest hosting, we mm-hmm. both felt that Tommy Asu would probably start at left back. Um, we both thought it was the wrong decision, um, but it was going to be the one that Mikel made, and so it went. Um, the injury to Erdegaard caught everybody by surprise, yeah. and. I, it would obviously have been a different team if Erdegaard was there, and I just I wonder where Havertz would have fit into that. I wonder if Jorginho would have started because to me, just this seemed like a team that he picked for a fight rather than a football match. Yeah, you know, I um, I've been one that's uh, you know, been really impressed with uh, with Jorginho, especially with how I felt about the initial signing, but he's one of those players that uh. I'm glad we have, and I think, you know, there's experience and level-headedness there, but he he's just, I don't like him starting. You know, I think we've had similar conversations about El Neni with regards to this too. It's like, they're fine players, but if they start getting too many minutes, the cracks really start to show. Um, you know, I don't know. I've got the lineup in front of me here. Uh, I expected Tomiyasu to start at left back as well. Um, and, and I think that was the only option, right? There was there was yeah. no other actual decisions to be made. He had no real choice but to start Havertz because Odegaard was out. Um, that obviously led to no choice but to start Jorginho because Rice is needed for that left eight. Yeah. It meant Nketiah had to play up front because obviously Jesus is out and Havertz is having to play in midfield. So I don't think there was I don't think there was a ton of options because we're you know we've just got a lot of injuries at the minute. Yeah, even even Smith Rowe really unfortunately uh, you know this could have been his time to you know maybe maybe kind of nail down a spot, but you know just horrible timing for him again. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really like the Trossard in in the eight position. I guess I could have seen Vieira, but it does make sense that he went with you know Jorginho and Rice together. And to be fair, we kind of dominated the game for most of the part. I mean, we we controlled it very, very well. We had all of the ball. Newcastle just defended deep. We know what Newcastle are. They play like they're a newly promoted side. They just that yeah. you know they bank on the edge of their own box and they try and hit you with long balls over the top. And they try and turn everything into a fight. Um, 
we just didn't create very much. Just it's a bit worrying this chance creation thing now, right? Because we've spoke about it before, and I believe in terms of chances created, we are twelfth um, in the Premier League for chances created. And I think with this defensive stability, which absolutely is there, one hundred percent, we're a lot more stable defensively than we were last year, and we're harder to beat. But it has come at a cost, and I'm just wondering if the pendulum has swung too far the other way. It is a little concerning. I feel like um, I feel like we did okay with shots in this game, but very few on target. You know, very few that were like actually threatening. There was um, there was nothing from either side here, though. Jazz was there. I mean, it was a lot of long distance shooting. Um, yeah. It was a lot of stuff going wide. I mean, we had I think we had eleven corners to zero. Um, and I think failing to produce anything from the corners was a little bit disappointing too, because that's an area where we've been very good over the last couple of years. And to be honest, the the taking of the corners was abysmal. I mean, when when Trossard come on, and Trossard I thought had a pretty poor game when he came on, but his corners were terrible. Yeah, yeah. I I don't. You know, <laughs> I feel like we've not been that strong. Well, we we were a little better last year, right? I remember. Uh... Uh, we Gabriel scored a few. Yeah, and, yeah, we scored a few. I mean, yeah. even Tommy Asu's goal against Sheffield United, I think that was from a corner, right? I mean, I know it bounced around. That Tom Rice's winner against Manchester United, that was from a corner. I think we've generally been pretty good, but we uh, Newcastle were a big side and they're well organised. But I, I just felt like it was a bit disappointed with the amount of corners we had, the sheer volume of corners. I thought we would have created something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you'd think so, but... Uh, I, I did want to ask, what did you think of, um, I thought Martinelli was really strong on the night, um, maybe some corners aside, but he seemed to be our best outlet. Yeah, I think he was definitely our best attacking outlet. I thought Saliba and Rice were the two best players on the pitch by by an absolute mile. Um, but Martinelli was our brightest spark going forward. I think, you know, Havertz had, a, had his usual game where he was fine. Um, yeah. Never looked like really adding anything and, you know, we'll come on to the tackle in a little bit, but... He he just didn't really do didn't really do much. Um, I thought the game was a little bit quick for Jorginho um, and a little bit yeah. fiery. Saka hasn't been playing well for a while. I think yeah. there's a there's obviously an issue there. I've I've heard that he's carrying a groin injury. Um, I don't know how true that is. And Ketia was non-existent again. Yeah. So we had some issues up front. I thought at the back we were generally all right. I don't think Ben White had his best game, and I thought Gabriel following on from a really poor showing at West Ham, I thought he had a, a pretty bad game as well. It's unusual for Gabriel to have two bad games back-to-back. Um, but I, I didn't think Gabriel covered himself in, in glory. Tommy Asu, Tommy Asu actually got burnt a couple of times. And if that had been Zinchenko, Twitter would have been going nuts. But because it was Tommy Asu, you just kind of skipped by. Almiron absolutely roasted him a couple of times. So, but I mean, they really didn't create anything, anything either. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, I know this isn't a huge deal, but, you know, it's kind of a pet peeve for me. But did you notice we did the same thing uh, going back to Raya on the uh, kickoff and yeah. turning the ball over immediately again? I That drives me crazy. I don't know why we keep doing that. No, but, it's it, it seems it, it just seems stupid for a team that want to control the game so much to give the ball away right at the start of the game or at the start of a half. It it, it doesn't make any sense to me. It, it, it seems ridiculous. Um, Raya again didn't really cover himself in glory. I don't think he did no. a ton wrong until the goal, but there is an issue with these crosses. Yeah. Um, he's flapping a lot, isn't he? He is, he's missing, you know, he, he just seems to be very, he seems to be very 
he's very front post centric with his positioning, right? And although Mudrick mishit that cross, he did say that the, the goal that the coach at Chelsea had said to him that he, you know, he works too far up his line, works too far towards the near post. And we've seen it a couple of times now where he's been caught underneath crosses. And part of it, I think, is because he's he's too small to be a goalkeeper, basically. You know, yeah. he's he's four inches shorter than he really needs to be to play in that position. Um, I think that's that's an issue. <clears throat> but I don't know, other than that, I mean he was fine on the ball. There wasn't any of the um there wasn't any of the nervousness that I'd really spotted in previous games. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's uh you know, he he needs to have like a, a good game soon. I think he's already kind of starting to dip his head a little bit. Um but just from like a pure shot stopping goalkeeping perspective, I, I think he's kind of been a, a little poor, to be honest. Um but like yeah. you said, I mean, distribution and stuff's been fine. I just mean like shot stopping. He's let in a few things now that I'm like, mm, should have done better there. Yeah. Uh, and the crossing thing is really weird because part of his strength, right, is how he comes and claims crosses. Like it's one of the things that, that everyone likes about him. But he does get caught. And I think he's going to get caught more often with this because people are going to notice it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you, what do you, like, what's your stance on it? Would you, you know, maybe give him a few more games, but you considering Ram still coming back in or I mean, anything yet? Honestly, I wouldn't give him any more games because I think the better goalkeeper's sitting on the bench. You know, I can't be more consistent than I've been with this all the way through. But at the end of the day, he is our number one. I don't think, honestly, I think he could throw five into his own net tomorrow at Sevilla and he would still start on Saturday. I think Arteta has made up his mind. I do not believe this was ever a competition. I don't think there is a competition. I think Raya's his man and he's going to go down with a ship. I, I I don't see, I just don't see that changing. Yeah, I, I've got to agree. Um, and I feel like Arteta, you know, he he's done this before. He's very slow to, you know, like if it's his guy, he backs him. You know what I mean? No matter what, we saw it with, uh, with Willian, uh, you know, so he played for, you know, probably four months too long. We're seeing it now with Raya. I mean, yeah, and Willie had only come out because he got injured. You know, the, the whole game that kicked off the revolution only came about because Willian couldn't play. Other than that, it would never happen. Yeah, probably not. It's a crazy sliding doors moment, that, because mm-hmm. Arteta would not be in the job now had that not have happened. I'm 100% certain of that. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was really going down. That You're you're speaking about the Chelsea game, right? That yeah. One, uh, yeah. yeah, where he couldn't play, so we had to bring Smith-Rowe in, and it just kick-started yep. the, entire, the entire side. And yeah. You know, and that was the end of that was basically the end of William, right? Like we we really we hardly saw him again after that. But yep. it, it took that to do it. He wasn't going to pick. He wasn't going to pick Smith Rowe ahead of him otherwise. No, nope. yeah, and I mean, it took him half the season. You know, that's crazy. So I'm I'm curious. I mean, I guess you you kind of already said it, but uh, I was uh, I was a little curious at who might start in goal tomorrow. Uh, but I think you're 100% right. I think it's going to be Raya. So. Oh, yeah, 100% it will be Raya. There's no chance that it will be that it will be Ramsdale. It's, it's 100% going to be Raya. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think the performance was that bad. The The result is, it's a bit unfortunate, but at the end of the day, if you keep creating nothing and you're living on these margins, you are going to get caught. We've said it before, and now we've been caught. We, we just didn't create enough to deserve to win that game. But, you know, the... <laughs> the refing is just getting worse and worse. VAR is is shocking. So 
I figured what we'd do, Juz, everyone's already already looked at this to death. So I figure what we'd do is let's look at it and let's go through what we think the VAR conversation was <laughs> for the actual incidents, right? So let's start with the Habits tackle. I will be VAR soul one. You could be VAR soul two. All right? So here we go. So get ready to key it up. We're going over to the screen now. And we're looking at this challenge from Kai Havertz. So VAR Soul 2, this is what I am seeing. He's out of control, but he hasn't made contact with the right boot. He's actually made contact with the left boot as he slid on through. It's reckless, but it's not violent conduct. What do you see here, VAR Soul 2? I don't know. He's completely off the ground. Um, I mean, it's it, he's really lucky he only caught him with the trailing leg. Um I, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to be biased here, but I, I mean, I think it could really go either way. Well, I think I'm, I think I'm recommending, I'm recommending a yellow for this one, VAR Soul Two, because he, he hasn't caught him high, he's caught him along the floor, and yep. uh, I think we, we just don't send people off for stuff like that. I've got no problem if they want to start doing it, but we don't send people off for the stuff like that. It's why your doggy didn't get sent off last night because we don't send people off just for being out of control, even if we should. Where are you at with that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, honestly, we've screwed Arsenal enough. We can throw him a bone here, I think. Okay, perfect. So, referee, <laughs> we are recommending a yellow card. So, that's the first incident, right? That's the Habits one. So, now let's go on to the Bruno Guimaraes elbow in the back of Jorginho's head. Uh, VAR Soul 2. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. Okay, so VAR Soul 2. This is what I'm seeing here. Jorginho plays the ball. Guimaraes has ran 50 feet to elbow him in the back of the head. Now, he's caught him between the forearm and the elbow right into the back of the head. What are you seeing here, VAR Soul 2? I mean, surely that's not intentional, right? I mean, Bruno's a good lad. I'm sure he just caught him by accident. Well, what I'm thinking, VAR Soul 2, is we're out in Saudi Arabia next week and we're getting £1,800 each to referee a game and we're going to be paid by the Newcastle owners. Um, are we clear on that VAR soul too? Yeah, that's a really good point. And, uh, you know, I don't want to jeopardize my, my paycheck here. So, uh, you know, no call. Okay, perfect. Referee, we are recommending you do absolutely nothing because we've all got jobs to do in Riyadh next week. All right. So that's, that's what we think happened with the Bruno Grimarish incident, right? So, so now everyone's got 11 men on the field and now we come on to the, now we come on to the goal. VAR Soul 2. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, so what I'm seeing here, there's an overhit cross. Right. It's gone past the byline. I can't tell whether it's out or not from that angle, VAR Soul 2. It looks like it might be, but I'm not sure it's clear. What are you seeing? Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, good hustle there from uh, from Wilson to keep it in. But, you know, it's hard to tell. To me, it did kind of like, kind of look like the ball crossed the line. Yeah, but don't worry because we've got about four more things that we can make up for that with. So we'll just won't call that one because we've got loads more that went wrong with this goal. So we'll just look at the others. So now VAR Soul 2, we are going to go to the offside. So as you can see, the header has gone forwards. Gordon is behind the goalkeeper, so he's in an offside position. He's absolutely offside. But there is a little bit of cloth hanging over where the camera's looking down. So I think we can say that we are not absolutely clear on that. What are you seeing, VAR Soul 2? 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. All right, so now we come on to the third part of this. Is there a handball? So Joe Linton goes in, he heads it, it comes down, it clearly strikes his arm and goes backwards, but his arm looks almost like it's part of his shirt. So I think we can push that aside and we've still got one more check to go. So what are you thinking here, VR Soul 2? Yeah, absolutely no handball here. Absolutely not. Okay, so we will move on. And now it's, is there a foul? So Joe Linton has extended two arms into the back of Gabrielle, eventually pushing his head down, pushing him into the floor before the ball goes back across for Gordon to put in. So shoving someone in the back with two hands and extended arms. I don't know if that's a foul or not. Have you got the rule book VAR sold to? Honestly, I think it's clear Gabrielle flopped and I'm recommending a yellow card for the player. Well, I think that's a very good, that's a very good suggestion because You've got to remember what happened to Khashoggi, the journalist, when he upset these people. They chopped him up into several little bits and put him in suitcases. So I think the best thing to do here, VAR Sol 2, is allow this goal. Yes, I, I think so. Again, I, we wouldn't want to do anything to jeopardize our, bri- uh, our salaries. <clears throat> okay. So, referee, we are asking that you allow this goal because we don't want to get chopped up into little bits. And we would also like to keep this the Saudi Arabian gravy train coming into our pockets. Yes, that's correct. Um, so that's pretty much what we think happened with a VAR, right? That's that's the conversations as they happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and I guarantee we won't get audio released for this one. Well, this is what I'm saying. We've had to, like, like straight up, those voices were played by actors. They weren't the actual referees, but I'm pretty sure that that is a transcript of exactly what happened <laughs> with those referees for that. I mean, honestly, this this goal is like such a shit show. I mean, it was it was probably the most VAR checks I've seen on a goal at four, right? I think they believe, yeah, they checked it four on for four different things. I just can't believe it was allowed to stand. To be honest, it was it's ridiculous. I mean, and it all starts with a horrendous error from Gabrielle at the top of the box when that ball comes in. All he's got to do is is clear it, and he completely misses his kick. Yep. And that starts it all off. And then the ball goes over the other side and Ben White is really slow to get out. I mean, it doesn't look, was it, was it Murphy or, or was it Willock that kept it in? I think it was, it was Willock. It was, uh, 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 I don't mean it was uh, Wilson, Wilson, wasn't it? Wasn't no, it I think it was Willock. Anyway, uh, whoever it was, they, they kept it in and White is way too slow to get, to get out there. Like we know what these referees are like. You cannot back them just to make the right decision. So he should have been out there quicker. He's not. It comes in. And Gabriel's not helped that he stoops. And I don't quite know why he stoops. But it's still two hands extended into his back. And to me, this is the most egregious part, is the foul. Right? Because there is no way that that is not a foul. Yeah, there's no way. I get that you can say we haven't got a clear view of the ball across the line. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a multi-billion pound league played in stadiums that cost hundreds of millions why would you have, and there's there's 27 sky sports cameras there why would you have a camera that looks down the line i mean i mean it, lo- it looks out to me i mean you can definitely see it, like it half an inch of, of grass yeah, it it does look out but i understand that maybe you don't have the completely correct angle but the foul the foul i just i don't know how they can sit there take as long as they did looking at it and not give that as a foul is ridiculous 
Yeah, I agree. The 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 uh, possible offside doesn't bother me that much. I mean, I you know, it no, was I think of... that's that's another one that's really really tight. I mean, I think he probably yeah. was offside, but I think it was really really tight. And I, I you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm not going to bitch about these these calls that are tight. I mean, there are so many of these calls that are almost dead level. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think what VAR has done has really brought into the spotlight how close a lot of these calls are, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like a lot of them are so, they are so level. Sterling's goal that got disallowed last night. I, or or sorry, Sun's goal. I don't know how you can possibly rule that goal out. Like, I just, I don't get it because maybe he was offside. Maybe he wasn't. There is no way to tell for sure. And, and this is where I think, with with VAR, I don't care if you semi-automate that. I don't care what you do. That is too close to be able to call if it's offside or not. I don't know why we can't just go back to the benefit of that being given to the attacker. It seemed the most sensible way to do it. I agree. I, I, just, I just think there's so many of these calls that could go either way that it absolutely makes VAR pointless. Yeah. Absolutely pointless. Like, there is no way that VAR can get all these calls right because there's, I don't, I think in some situations there is no right cool so what are we doing wasting all this time causing all this controversy when we can't even get them right after after five minutes worth of checks yeah and i mean that that's the crazy thing right uh i mean i know this is basically the point you're making but it's like i mean it'd be one thing if the the on-field officials or whatever you know missed a call i i get it you know we're talking about how tight these margins are but like VAR should be able, you know, they should be getting it more than more than 75% of these calls right after looking, you know, after VAR. And they're, they're just not. I mean, where they're issuing apologies every week now. Yeah, and the apologies help nobody. Nope. You know? It the actually just makes me more upset. Nobody. And, and this is the thing, right? Arteta coming out afterwards. We, we say this all the time. Like, we have this discussion every week about VAR and about the referees. And I always prefer to have these conversations after we win, Right. When we win and they make these ridiculous mistakes, it is a lot easier to come out and say, this is a problem, this is a problem. It's a lot harder to do that when you've lost because the reaction is exactly the reaction that Mikel Arteta is getting. It doesn't help that Mikel Arteta is extremely disliked, right? I would say Mikel Arteta is probably the most disliked manager in the country. So, and and we're obviously disliked as a club. So it's not gonna, you know, and, and it's really weird because I think that Newcastle, are possibly the most dislikable team in the world. Like I think they're they're more dislikable than than Man United. They're more dislikable than Man City. I, I think they might be the most dislikable club in the world. And I, I just it's crazy to me that the reaction has been to blast Arteta and not the referees. I think it is crazy. The football world needs to come together and say this needs to be sorted out however it gets sorted out because you can't have this and the other thing we were obviously joking during the var thing about the saudi arabian referee and all that stuff kind of the fact is you cannot have the owners of two clubs in the premier league paying referees you cannot have it because it doesn't matter whether corruption is there or not it doesn't matter if corruption exists or not the fact that two clubs are openly the owners of two clubs are openly paying referees is a problem. And and I don't see how it is not a conflict of interest. 
Yeah, no, I, I don't either. And, you know, it's it's like you said, even if it's not actual corruption. I don't think it matters. To... What? I don't think it matters. I yeah. really don't think it matters. Just the connection alone, I think, is is super suspicious. And it opens them up to, uh, you, you know, call outs. You know, we have we have we have every right to, like, ask the question, you know, what is up with this? And uh, yeah, I just I don't know. And what's what blows my mind even more is that the Saudi league wants these shitty refs to ref their league. Surely like they could get. Yeah. Well, that's, that also raises some more questions, right? Like if you couldn't have anyone in the world, why are you going for these guys? Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, and you've got two and these two countries that own these clubs that are also paying these referees. Let's just say they're not the most, you wouldn't put them high on the integrity stakes. Right. Mm -hmm. Because as much as I was joking, Saudi Arabia did chop a journalist into little pieces and put him into uh, carrier bags because they didn't like what he said. If they will do that, you think they won't intimidate a ref? Right. Pay a ref or bribe a ref? Like, they've they've just bought a World Cup. The the UAE, like, all their record on everything is not exactly sparkling. You think they wouldn't pay referees? Like, and, and... Again, it doesn't matter if they are or not. It it just doesn't matter. The fact that the perception is there because these referees are taking money from the owners of these clubs, it's something that the the Premier League should... I mean, it should never have been allowed to happen. Obviously, the country should never have been allowed to buy the clubs. But once they are, these PGMOL refs, they should not be allowed to moonlight in countries that own these clubs. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I I think it's uh, it's really shocking. And I, I, I mean, I guess I'm... I'm not like shocked, but it, it is really crazy how much um, like the Premier League, the FA is is like kind of letting these countries walk all over them. You know what I mean? We have Manchester City with 115 uh, offenses and nothing's been done. Not, I mean, you know what I mean? It's just it, they really are in their pocket. I mean, I feel like. Well, know, I, do you know what they just I don't blame the Premier League for this because like the Premier League said no to Saudi Arabia buying Newcastle. They outright said no. The Saudi Arabian government then leaned on the UK government, dangling trade deals and all sorts of stuff over them. The UK government then intervened, and this is, there's there's emails that attest to all of this. This is not hearsay. There There are emails out there that attest to all of it. There's a Guardian article that lays it all out. They put the pressure on, and the UK government intervened and pushed the Premier League to allow the takeover. Right. Yep. That's true. I forgot it. I I did forget it happened like that. But yeah. And now you've got these Man City charges. And we once again have emails from the foreign minister of the UAE talking to the Home Office, talking about these charges and making these charges go away. So like this, this whether there is whether referees are being bribed, it doesn't matter. The corruption is there. These two countries are at the heart of it. They should never have been allowed to own clubs. But now they do own clubs. You have to cut off all of these angles, all of these ways possible. If the, if you know these referees as well, they earn less per year than most of these players do per week, right? Right. Yeah. So who's going to be the easy one to get at if you want to fix this stuff? Yeah, I know, and <clears throat> I don't want to get you know too too far out of our um, our our sphere here, but. I mean, even the 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 World Cup, the twenty thirty four World Cup, is is a complete farce. They're not even pretending like there's a bid process anymore. They basically just gave it to them. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, look at look at Qatar. I mean, they tried to cover it up for a bit, but even mm-hmm. after it came out that it was just all bribes and corruption, we still went ahead with it. Yep. And they said it's not going to be in the winter. We'd never do that. And then it's winter, and now we're looking at another Winter World Cup. Yep. So it, it is crazy how much, how many allowances these countries are getting, and now they own these teams. It just seems to me. I'm not saying that the refs are corrupt and they're bribed, but I do think the optics are incredibly bad. And it does seem that these decisions are not going against Newcastle and Manchester, Manchester City. And I think the Premier or PGMOL could really do with a couple of weekends where these decisions go against yeah. Man City and Newcastle just yeah. for the optics, because it's always them. I mean, they, you know, they got a they, Man City got a dodgy penalty last week. You've had this this week. You know, Rodri wasn't sent off at the Emirates. I think it was Grimaris as well that should have been sent off at West Ham. It was similar to the to the Rodri incident and the ref wouldn't send him off. This is not helping PGMOL who already have a reputation that's in the mud. And it seems to me that coming out fighting against Arteta is probably what they think is their best course of action here. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And it's <clears throat> it's really weird because I feel like I don't exi- I don't remember exactly what his position is called, but I really feel like this is like cranked up to 11 since Howard Webb has been has been in that position. I mean, maybe maybe it's just recency bias, but I feel like these these calls, these controversies are like more egregious than they used to be. It it definitely feels that way. And also, they I think Sky especially seem to have a very cozy relationship with PGMOL and yep. they obviously want the access for their coverage and in, in turn for the access being granted for the coverage they're clearly being asked to go easy on the referees you've got Howard Webb and Michael Owen doing TV shows on on decisions it is absolutely crazy what is going on and I think I just, I don't know. I don't know where you go from here and I don't know how you sort it out because if the reaction to what happened on Saturday is to point at Mikel Arteta, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if this has been substantiated either, but did you did you hear the the rumors that um, uh, they were, like two pundits were called and asked to go easy yes. on the referees as well? Yes, I did I mean, hear that. That just, you know, and it, it's like, you know, what you said, I mean, they, they are, they're really cozy. And, and then you've got, you know, pundits like Neville and stuff like that, that'll, that'll, you know, take any excuse to have a shot at us. And, and it feeds a narrative that, you know, we're, we're sour grapes, you know what I mean? But it's. Well, the, the, one of the big reasons that Arteta is, is hated like he is, is just because of the whole Richard Keys on the Richard Keys pointing out on the sideline, and then other people picking up on it. He doesn't do anything different to any other manager. Like yeah, I, I wouldn't say he's as bad as Klopp. He certainly doesn't moan as much as Klopp. He yeah. rarely moans. This time when he came out and blasted the referee, or whatever you want to say, it was well deserved. And he wasn't asking for replays. He, he's not out here asking to replay the game. I just it, it's it's crazy and it's fed in. And while we were the banter club, I feel like people kind of ignored it. But now we're good again. Yeah. People are just taking any any chance they can get to just try and jump on us. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what do you think about uh, what do you think is going to be the fallout for for this uh, for Arteta coming out and saying what he said? I mean, surely he'll, he'll be looking at a fine at least. I'm sure. Oh, I would imagine he's going to get a going to get a minimum one game ban from the touchline. 
I, I would think there, there'll be a fine. The club are going to get a fine as well. I have no doubt about it. And it, it's, you know, it, it's it's up to them where they want to push it at this point. But like Eddie Howe was ridiculous after the game. Oh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what he saw. I don't know what he was watching. But I'm not surprised at that about Eddie Howe because Eddie Howe's a puppet. Eddie Howe's a scumbag. I, I cannot stand Eddie Howe. I, I, I detest Eddie Howe. He really? is, I, I think he's a disgrace of a human being, an absolute disgrace of a human being. I cannot stand Eddie Howe. He plays this nice guy. He plays this nice guy, and then he's and then he turns around and knifes people in the back. You know, I just someone said one of the Newcastle journalists said, "Oh, you, he needs Arteta needs to learn integrity from Eddie Howe. Integrity from Eddie Howe, like that is that is the most oxymoronic statement that I've ever heard. It's utterly ludicrous. I, I think Eddie Howe is an absolute disgrace. Hmm. Well, I I, I got to be honest, I I uh. I really liked what what Mikel came out and said. I mean, you know, I feel like he kind of said what we're all thinking. And I, I think he had to say it. I think it had to be said. And he did. You know, he wasn't like. I mean, he was mad, but you know, he wasn't like out of control screaming or anything like that. He it was. It seemed very measured. And may, maybe it does something. I mean, I doubt it, but you know. Well, you know what won't do anything? Just ignoring it and moving on. Like, yeah. like that's the point. If if everyone wants it to carry on like this, then fine. Tell everyone to shut up and get on with it and respect the referee. If you want it to change and you want something actually done about the situation, this is what's going to happen. But it's going to take multiple clubs doing it at the same time. What we can't have is Arteta doing this and then everyone coming out and jumping on his back and then Postacoglu taking the shots at him that he did yesterday. After, by the way, getting a yellow card for complaining to the ref during the game, and then coming out and said he was raised not to question the ref's decisions. Must have forgot about that when he was getting the yellow card. I mean, that that press yeah. conference, that was pre-planned. I, I'm not saying he knew his team were going to go out there and play like thugs. But having done that in a game, by the way, where they actually got the rub of the green with the VAR decisions, it didn't. Mm-hmm. none of them went against him. They all went, they all either went for him or exactly how they should have done. So... You know, to come out after and 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 it was a clear jive at Arteta what he did, and then everyone yeah, jumping sure. on it and praising him for it. It's like the man was booked an hour before for complaining yeah. about the refereeing decisions. It's it, it's nuts, and this is exactly why it's allowed to carry on, and these mistakes are allowed to continue happening because everyone just wants to everyone just wants to jump on the other clubs. Because let's be fair, people do not want hundred percent right decisions; they want decisions to go their way. And that is the difference here. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, of course that the, the comments by, by Ange were, were uh, ironic, but I think what were, you know, Spurs are kind of, uh, kind of, kind of uh, the darlings this year. I feel like a little bit, they're already. They always are. I don't know what it is. They're always yeah. media darlings. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what it is. They were under, if you believe the media under Pochettino, I think they won nine titles and three champions leagues. Yeah, it's like that too. Yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. Well, I tell you what, let's let's talk about that game a little bit in the second half because it was very very funny. I have to say, it it was very very funny, and I I I thought it was some of the worst management that I've ever seen from Postacoglu, and I love it, and I am absolutely here for it. I didn't see the game, but I've I've seen a lot about it. I know uh, what he continued to play like a crazy high line after being down to nine. Oh, it, it got worse. It got yeah. worse. Like it, it was, it, it was almost like he was intentionally trying to turn the game into a fuss. But listen, let's get onto that in the second half. So, okay. um, 
you know, I, d- I don't know what more we can really say about the about the VAR and the stuff from the Newcastle game. So we'll leave it there, and we'll come back in the second half, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more broadly, and we'll get into the uh, we'll get into maybe the severe game and talk about some more injuries that we've picked up. So, okay. just I will see you back here in a minute. All right. Hey guys, just a couple of quick halftime messages for you. Firstly, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us reach a wider audience, particularly on Apple Podcasts. Secondly, we're on all the social media platforms as The NN Pod. We're really trying to build a strong Guna community. So next time you're on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, look us up, give us a like or a follow, send us a message, interact with other listeners, or, or just have a look around. Thanks for listening from myself, Paz and Jazz. We really appreciate it. Welcome back into the Non-Negotiables podcast. This is part two. Jazz, we were chatting a little bit about the Chelsea-Tottenham game in the, or Tottenham-Chelsea game, I should say, at the end of the first half. Um, and I just wanted to, it, there was just a few things that that made me absolutely crack up in it. First of all, I mean... To say that Pastor Coglu was very gracious is crazy when you consider that there is no doubt Romero should have been sent off way before he was. Absolutely no question about it. The Udogi one in the first half, I mean it's 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 bad. I don't know. Like I said, when when we were when we were doing the VAR soul recordings, I don't we just don't send people off for that. Right, and and I've got no problem if you want to start sending people off for that, but we don't send people off for that. If they don't make contact, we do not send them off. And it's just, it is crazy to me that they're looking at this and he's coming out of it with any credit whatsoever. Right? You know, it, it's funny you said something in the in the the first half that um, I think this is going to become more and more obvious as the season runs on, but. For as like hated as Arteta is, everybody just seems to like love Ange, and I, I think um, he's going to get a lot of like benefit of the doubt in these kinds of. You know, uh, this won't last, right? I'm telling you now, this won't last. But I tell you what, it is. He's a novelty. He's an Australian with an Aussie accent who says "mate" a lot in the press a conferences, lot. right? Yeah. And that is what it is. It's nothing else. It's that they are they've been incredibly lucky so far. They've played all of the bottom teams and, you know, they're just, they're not as good as their results have, have been. Um, and I think now you're going to, you know, once their fixtures start to turn, I think they've got a few more easy games coming up in a row, actually. But mm-hmm. I think once their fixtures start to turn, they're going to, they're going to drop down. They're going to start dropping points and the flavor of the month thing will wear off because that, that novelty will, will wear off. But it's funny because when you compare it, to the grief that Bob Bradley got for an American accent. And then you look how loved Angie's for having an Aussie accent. It is bizarre. Yeah, I'm I'm really surprised. I mean, I, I gotta be honest, uh, up until yesterday, I I've even kind of liked him. I thought he's uh he's been a, a nice, you know, personality when you hear him talk, and and I, I I like his, you know, I'm gonna play my way no matter who the opponent is, which you know obviously hurt him over the weekend, but or Monday or Tuesday. No, Monday. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but you know, I mean, I do find it just a little, a, a little amusing. I think you are right though. I think, uh, you know, if they get a few bad results, 
I think it's um, it, yeah, the, he'll, the, he'll the, stop. I mean, he's a very charismatic guy. I think you yeah. you have to you have to say that he talks well in the press conferences. He's very charismatic, charismatic, and he's very welcoming. I think Arteta can seem can seem sad. like Arteta is also very good in press conferences, but Arteta can mm-hmm. be cold. He can be standoffish, and he 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 always feels like he's hiding something because he usually is. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's just his way. I think Ange feels like your fat uncle that gives everyone a hug and free sausages when they come to his house. And yeah. that's that's kind of that's kind of what it is. But that that will wear off. But the the way him getting credit for how Tottenham played after them two sending offs, I, I just I'm stunned because Chelsea could have had twelve, but Chelsea are really, really bad. Like super bad. The fact that they didn't get the best part of double figures amazes me. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, it, it looked like a crazy game. I'm only like 31 minutes into the highlights. There's already been like three disallowed goals and it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was, it was nuts. And the, you know, you can have no, I, I did see a couple of Tottenham fans trying to take umbrage with the sending off mm-hmm. and it's mad. He's nearly snapped the guy's leg in, in two. And this isn't like the Curtis Jones one where he kind of tackled halfway up the ball and then his foot rolled over the top he's kicked straight through and he's gone for his leg like it was an intentional thing and that's his international teammate by the way that he did that too so it's an intentional thing I don't see any grounds that it's not a penalty and not a sending off and like kind of what we were talking about earlier too you know Xhaka really didn't get that many red cards and he had the the reputation that he did. You have Romero picking up several a season and and I still feel like, you know, he's not trash talked as much as Xhaka was either, like by pundits and whatnot. No, not not even close. And Romero's not even good. He's just a thug. Mm-hmm. Like that that's all it is. He's just a thug. And it's I don't know. I, I I don't get it. But like you said before, they they are the media darlings, but if Nico Jackson scores three against you. I don't care if you've got four men on the pitch. If Nico Jackson scores three against you, you are not a very good team. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's hilarious watching him. He's had, uh, I mean, like I said, I'm only like 36 minutes in, but like the amount of times he's just. Well, I don't know. Or just hit somebody or. I don't know that I've ever seen a player score a hat trick in a game before and come out of it looking like a joke. Like I think this has got to be the first time a player has ever scored a hat trick and had a worse reputation coming out than when he went in. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. But if he could finish, he probably would have had six this game. Oh, easily, easily. Yep. The 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 line that they were keeping, it wasn't even that they were keeping a high line. They were literally just all standing on the on the center circle and letting Chelsea play through them. I've never seen anything like it. You 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 can keep a high line, but you can't keep a high line and then put no pressure on the person on the ball. Because yep. he could just pick out whoever he wants. It, it's crazy. Mudrick is terrible. We've obviously dodged a massive bullet there because he's he's awful. He came on and stunk the place out as usual. Um, Sterling's decision making was bad on a few few occasions, but he's only he's got Nico Jackson to pass it to. So you know yep. what do you what do you expect is going to happen? So it was yeah. It just I don't want to go too much more into that game, but it was just it was a mad game. It was a fun watch. Because I don't support either of the teams involved. If you did, I can't imagine either of those fans. I know it's going to turn into a woe is me towel for Spurs, but but Spurs fans cannot have watched that and been particularly impressed because there's going to be times in the season for every team where you're under the cosh. There's going to be times when things don't go your way. And what yesterday said to me about this Tottenham team is when things don't go their way, they are in big trouble. 
Yeah, I <clears throat> I couldn't agree more. Who was the uh, the second red? I know it was Romero. Do you know? Udogi. Udogi got oh, two okay. yellows. That's right. Um, and it was, you know, no, it was, again, it was blatant. There was no arguments about it. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's one of the things. It, it, they're, they're all praising Postacoglu for not complaining in the press conference. But there was really, what's he going to complain about? Yeah. You know? Oh, God, you got the decisions right. Like, you, you can't complain about that. It's not like they were hard done by. It is yeah. what it is. So yeah. anyway, we'll move on from that and we'll let's let's look at the Sevilla game a little bit, just so home to Sevilla, um, I think it's it's massive now to get a win here after the West Ham game and, and after this Newcastle game. I think we have to win. Um it's obviously a big game in its own right because if we win this, we take huge control of this Champions League group. I mean, we're we're almost through at that point if we yep. win this game. Uh, another injury, we're hearing that Eddie isn't training today, so it looks like Eddie might miss as well. At this point, I don't see any option that he's going to have other than to play Trossard through the middle, I think, with the injuries we've got in midfield. if uh, Considering, you know, if we think Erdegaard isn't back and it doesn't seem like he's going to be. Yeah, I can only really see two options, and uh, I'm I'm with you. I'm leaning more towards Trussard or maybe bringing Vieira in and moving Havertz up top, but I, I think it'll probably be Trussard. The only thing is, you know, he started the season, I think, pretty good, but I feel like his last few appearances have been pretty, a, a little rough, so I'm, I'm a little nervous about it. Oh, I, I think he's massively out of form. I think he had an excellent preseason, but in season i mean he's he's had to be taken off at half time because he's been so bad i just i don't know i don't think he's not in good form at all now we know he's a good player so he can refine that for sure and we're a much better team than severe and it's at home so i expect that we'll we should win um so maybe this is this is a game to get himself back on track but if eddie misses i agree with you i think it's going to end up being trossard up top i i would i would actually play Havertz and bring vieira in is what I would do, but I I don't think that's what Arteta's going to do. I think he's going to, I think he's going to uh, just put Trossard straight in there. Um, you think yeah, Jorginho stays in too, probably? Yeah, I don't see. Again, I don't see he's got much option. What else is he going to do? If he if if he's if Erdegaard isn't fit and it looks like he's not, then I don't see I don't see what he's going to do. But Jorginho playing three games in a week is is not ideal. No, nope, it's definitely not. It's definitely not. <clears throat> like I was saying in the first half too. You know, it's. I love him to like come in late and close out the game. You know, I think he's really good at well. See, that's how I that. feel about that's how I feel about Trossard, and that's how I feel about Tommy Asu. Personally, I don't think those three are stars. I think yep. they are. I think you can pick and choose what games you put them into when you want to when you want you know to pull someone out. But I do not think they are starters for this team. I think they are incredibly valuable and important substitutes and finishers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they all seem to do better uh, coming in as opposed to from the start. Um, we could see maybe El Nani, right? He's fit. I wonder if I'd almost uh, rather see him than George. To I, I don't think he's. I don't think he'll start El Nani. I really, I really don't. I, I no. no, I don't. I think no. I mean, this is this is a must-win game. I think he's going to go with what he considers to be his full-strength team, and I, I don't think. I mean, how many injuries would we have to really have for El Nani to be considered that? I, I, I don't think we're close to. I don't think we're close to being there yet. Um, no. The Thomas Partey news. I don't know if you've seen oh. this, but the Mirror reporting now that it's looking like January, and you know what that means. He'll be back in January. He'll go to the African Cup of Nations. He'll come back and get injured again. Um, yeah. And that'll be basically the whole season wasted. I, I, yeah. I don't know at this point what we do because I don't think we can sell him in the summer. I think we're going to have no choice 
but to keep him next season as well. Um, fortunately, we've got Rice now, so perhaps we're not quite as reliant on him. But that wage is still going to be going out every week. We can't really replace him until he's gone, right? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think. I mean, obviously, it's going to be on the shopping list over probably the next couple seasons. You know, a center mid. But I doubt if we have to keep him, we don't have any offers. We're not going to make a big purchase there, I don't think. And um, we seem pretty hesitant to step into like the loan market. Maybe we'll bring Ceballos back, huh? Yeah, or Dennis Suarez. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I uh, I assume we'll probably prioritize a striker. Wouldn't you say this this? Uh... I think that it might depend a lot on Jury and Timber. And if they feel like he can play, because I also feel like we need another defender. I think we're a defender short. Um, we've we've spoken about this at length before, but I I do not believe that Timber was brought in to be a left back. I think he played. He was about the fourth man up at left back, and he just happened to be the best at covering while Zinchenko was out. Um, yep. So I don't think he was brought in to play there. I think I think had he been fit, I think he would be the starting right back. Yep. by now. Um, I expect if he does come back that we'll start to see him worked in there. And I think that's absolutely fine. I think if Timber does come back January, February time, I think we're all right. We probably don't need a defender. But if he's not, if we are looking at the end of the season, I think we might have to get another defender. Yeah, you might be right. Um, I mean, it's such a shame too having somebody that could play right back, left back and center back, you know. Uh... And remember, Tommy Asu's going to be missing for a few weeks as well at this Asian Games. Oh, you're right. I did forget about that, actually. So, yeah, that leaves us really light in defense. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Because, I mean, even best case scenario, I don't see Timber being ready to play in January, right? No, I don't think so. No, I was thinking maybe by April we might see him. That's what I was thinking as well. I was basically thinking this season is a write-off. I know they're saying that he's coming back quicker than they think, but there's a big difference between spending six months out and coming back and working your way back and spending six months out and coming in and being thrown into a Premier League game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know. I mean, I do think they're – I don't think we would have put him in the squad, you know, like added him, registered him in the squad if they didn't think he was going to be back a little earlier. But yeah, You know the only weird thing about that, though, Jaz, huh? is that we didn't have to do that because the registration period opens again on January 1st. So yeah. unless you're thinking he's going to play before New Year's Eve – we didn't need to register him like that. I I personally just think that we weren't in a position like we were a couple of years ago where we didn't have enough players. Um, or we had, sorry, we had too many players and we had yeah. to leave Meza Erzil out of the squad completely because we didn't have the space. I think it's just the space was there and he is yeah. going to play and he's been put on been put on the squad list. You know, I wouldn't read too much into that is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I, I just, I saw that and it did make me a little more, a uh, little more optimistic, but yeah, I, I just, I can't see. I mean, it, you know, uh, he did it like right before season, right? So we're talking early August. It was, it was the first, it was the first home game, wasn't it? It was his debut, it was the Forest game. Yep, you're right. So it was the first game of the season. So yeah, so when did the season start this year? Was it August 7th, 8th, something like that? Yeah. Right yeah. There? So, um, I mean, he's got months still. Yeah, you you've yep. got to think at the earliest. You've got to be thinking February at the very earliest. Yep. Um. And and then of course Jesus has now been called up to the Brazil squad. Did you see that? That's no, that I didn't. Madness. So Jorginho, we've got Sevilla on tomorrow night, where obviously Jesus is not going to be involved. He's not in training or nothing. We've got Burnley at the weekend. There's a chance that he doesn't play against Burnley and then flies all the way to Brazil to play two games. Odegaard got called up too, I think, didn't he? 
I I think he may have been called up, but if you look at the the manager's comments, he uh-huh. actually said that it's a major doubt whether he actually turns up. I think I think if Erdegaard doesn't, I think if Erdegaard and Jesus can't play against Burnley, there is no way we can release them for international football. I don't care how much they want to play. There is no way that we can release two of our best players who are both on over 200 grand a week to go and play for their national teams when they can't play for us. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that kind of stuff is ridiculous. Um, you know, I almost wish there was a rule like if they didn't play the last, you know, like the last game for their club team, they shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't be allowed to call up. I mean, it's a, a player safety issue as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they don't want to, you know, they don't want to turn it down. I mean, look at look at Gabriel. Gabriel pulled out of one Brazil squad um, when his child was being born, right? And that it was under was it Tite the last last Tito Tite the last so, manager, yeah. and um, and they didn't pick him. They didn't pick him until that manager basically got fired, and they and they brought the new man in. So you know these players are worried about missing games for their country. And and Erdegaard is the Norway captain. Jesus is trying to reestablish himself as a first choice in the Brazil team because he's not. So I understand their motivations for wanting to go, but we cannot allow that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it too. I mean, I, I totally get their motivations, but yeah, I just think it's a completely ridiculous, uh, you know, that, that they would even be considered, you know, with, with these injuries and you just know too, I know you already said it, but you just know party is going to come back and go, you know, like it, it's yeah. just inevitable. A hundred percent. And with I think the Jesus was the one because you think Brazil have got so many options. Mm-hmm. You don't need to pick him. So yep. why are you picking him? I did hear today that Richarlison might be out for a couple of months. He's he's had some sort of problem apparently. I I mean I think he must have had it for the last few years if it stops him playing football to a high level, maybe <laughs> since he was like seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um but whatever it is, apparently he's going to be out for a couple of months. So maybe that's why they felt the need to call up Jesus. But, you know, like I said, they've got plenty of options in Brazil. You you would think that they would want him fit and firing for next summer, not for a, a stupid games in November. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't I don't get it. But I mean, the injury list is pretty long now, um, but uh, at least... You know, we should be able to take care of Burnley, I would think, even with the injuries that we have. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say that I don't see a problem because obviously every game can be a problem. And when you're not creating chances the way we're not creating chances, it, it wouldn't surprise you if it ended up nil nil one of them frustrating days. So I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but we should have enough yeah. to get past them. I Have you heard what is wrong with Eddie? Because I don't know what's wrong with Eddie. I just know that he's not training and he's a severe doubt for tomorrow night. But I have no idea why. I uh, That may not be a bad thing. I think, um, you know, like I, I'm not a, a Eddie hater or anything, but I do think he's streaky. You know, like, I mean, he, he scored a hat trick a few games ago, but then he'll play two, three games and be completely anonymous. You know, I think it's, um, I think it's kind of smart, especially if... Uh, you know, if, if hazards, if Hafferts gets a, you know, a, a lengthy run out or even Trossard, I think it could be a, a, a positive thing for us right now. Well, it certainly can't hurt because yeah. as toothless as we were at the weekend, I mean, I would expect that, that Arteta would want to make changes. I mean, as it's, as it happens, he, he might not have the option to make too many changes just because the options aren't there, but I would expect him to want to make some changes. I actually think that, I actually think that had, like if Erdegaard was to make it, I do think he would play Havertz up front 
on Wednesday just to just to change it and just to give us something a bit different. Yeah, wasn't uh, was it Sevilla too? Don't they have like a couple monsters in the back line as well? Or am I mi- mixing that up? Was it Lons? Uh, well, Sevilla have got um, Ramos, haven't they? Yeah, he is back there. I'd forgotten you know, about that. Yeah, yep. they got Ramos because he he took Gabriel uh, Gabriel Jesus out in the first leg in typical Ramos style. I don't know who his partner is actually at the back at, uh, at Sevilla, but they um, yeah they they've you know they're they're another team that they kind of like the dark arts. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they're good at the nasty little tricks and stuff. So that game, it could get a bit tricky if we don't get an early goal, but hopefully we can get an early goal and, and really settle it down. Um, Saka and Martinelli, we, we, we need them to step up now. This is, this is the time when they've really got to, got to bring it. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, you know, Saka is another worry too. Cause I mean, if he's, if he's carrying something, you know, you know, we're going to play him 90 minutes unless we absolutely can't. Um, so, you know, that's kind of one to watch. Um, yeah, the- he's not getting a rest and he's not getting a rest when England play in November, later on in November either. You know, he's 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 going to play, he'll play 90 minutes on, he'll play 90 minutes tomorrow, he'll play 90 minutes again at the weekend yep. and then he's going to go and play two 90 minutes for England. Yep, definitely. So hopefully uh, he stays, um, you know, he stays pretty fit because that 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 list is getting pretty long. Yeah, we can't afford any more. Gabriel and uh, Gabriel Martinelli have both been called up for Brazil as well, so they'll be they'll be going. So once again, we're going to basically have most of the squad going. So yeah, I don't know where we uh, I don't know where we go really from from here with the injuries because a lot of them it it just seems like all these injuries they're weird ones because none of them have got a timeline on them, right? Yeah. Like Partey was going to be a few weeks, and now we're looking at it could be the new year. Jesus, they're saying they won't put a timeline on it at all. Erdegaard, Arteta felt like he was fit enough to bring him on for a pointless seven minute run out against West Ham in a dead rubber in a game that was already dead. Um, and now he's out, and we don't know. We don't know how long it's going to be. And yeah. Ketia, we don't even know what's wrong with him. It's yeah. it's just a weird one at the minute. Usually, you can look at these injuries and you think, oh well, another couple of games we'll have him back. We'll have him back. But we yeah. don't know at the minute. And the Norwegian coach, I don't know if you saw his comments, but he's he said it's an injury that just won't go away. That doesn't sound no. great. No, it doesn't. No, I didn't see his comments, but yeah, that's that's not what you want to hear. Um, you know, about some, I mean, you can tell the difference, you know, um, watching, watching these, these highlights again, we, um, he's so important to the way we create, you know, and it's, uh, you know, when, when his stand in is, is, is Havertz, who again, he's, he's been fine. He's just not ever an impact player, I guess would be the way to say it. So <laughs> the longer, uh, the longer Odegaard's out, you know, um, we're going to kind of be on some, some, well, we'll need, well, I think we'll need some luck, you know? Yeah, we 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 just without him in the team, and and this was my problem at the at the weekend, right? With not playing Zinchenko, is that we've heard a guard out. We we lose all our ball players. We just we just we just look devoid of of creativity. We we really need we really need him back. I think we can we can maybe muddle our way through the next two games. But if this is something that hangs around, this could be a problem. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. We're we uh. We just, you know, we can't afford it. Can't afford it. We've no. already dropped quite a few points already, too. You know, and that's that's the thing. You know, we've we've already seen a point where Man City are, are now at the top of the league. You know, and that's not what we that's not what we wanted to see. You don't want them a side that traditionally put it together late. 
you don't want to give them a head start. Yeah. Well, I think we all knew Spurs wasn't going to stay on top for long, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame City's already there because we know they can go, you know, 20 wins in a row if they want to. So. Yeah. And that's, that's the scary part. I mean, Haaland did go off at the weekend with, they said it was an injury, but I mean, last year at three nil up at half time, they took him off a few times. So I can't imagine it's anything that's that's actually troublesome. I don't, they they actually played tonight. Do you know how they how they got on? I know Newcastle lost, which was hilarious. No, I didn't. Let's check it out. Yeah, I think um, the only the only chance to really get okay. Uh, so Harland scored twice tonight, so he obviously yeah. wasn't that hurt. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the only way I think we're really going to luck out with City dropping many points would be like a Rodri injury. They they seem to be pretty different without him. Yeah, I mean, Rodri and Haaland, I think, are the are the two there now that are the, uh, you know, that they're, they're key men. I think yeah. you would have said a few years ago with De Bruyne being out that that really weakens them. I just don't think it weakens them that much. Now they've they've completely changed their playing style. And he's yeah. a great player, don't get me wrong. And of course, things go for him when he plays. But I don't think they're anywhere near as reliant on him as they were. No, definitely not. And I mean, even, you know, even if Holland goes down, you know, Alvarez is a really good player. I like him a lot. He's not Holland, though. Do you know yeah, what I mean? All of, sudden, all of a sudden, if that happens, they've got a human being up front rather than a <laughs> cyborg. Yeah, but still, you know, still pretty scary nonetheless, though, I think. And um, so, yeah, we'll see. Well, I mean, looking around Europe and looking at where you can go, you know, there's a midfielder. <clears throat> for the team top in the Bundesliga, who's um, actually making the most progressive passes and final third entries. Um, you think we should look at that guy? His name's is Granit Xhaka. <laughs> I do miss him, honestly, I, I do. Um, <laughs> Can you believe they're top? They've won nine and drawn one. No, I, I, ha- I haven't even really looked at the Bundesliga. Not, oh, oh, he's absolutely smashed it. He's made the most, I think it's the most... I think it's the most progressive pass or the most final third entries in the league this year, and it's not close. He's wow. absolutely destroying destroying it there, which I think we all kind of expected to happen. But yeah, Harry Kane might be scoring from inside his own half, but Granit Xhaka is ruling the roost in Germany. Yeah, that's great to hear, man. You know, good for him. I'm 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 happy it's working out for him. Yeah. So, all right, well, let's let's leave it there for tonight. Just, um, I know everyone's got stuff to do. It's only a short one, and we'll be back. Um, our schedule's been off a bit the last the last couple of weeks, but hopefully, we'll start getting back to normal again now. Um, and Pascal should be with us uh, probably on Thursday. I'm guessing yep. to uh, to go through the severe game and look forward to the Burnley game. So, well, thanks a lot, mate. I appreciate it tonight. It was a little bit of uh, a little bit cathartic, really, because I think I've been. I'd be, I'd, do you know what? After the game on Saturday, I didn't watch any of the highlights from the other games. I didn't watch any football on Sunday. And I only really turned on the Spurs game on Monday um, because people were talking about it in one of the WhatsApp groups I was in. And they were talking about how nuts it was. So I turned it on. Other than that, I wouldn't have bothered watching it. I've really not. I've, I've kind of just switched off from football since the end of that Newcastle game. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've kind of been, you know, we've been traveling a decent bit and it's been really hard for me to, um, you know, I'll still try to catch Arsenal, but I, I've not really been watching many of the other teams this season just, you know, for for busyness sake. But I know exactly what you mean. Um, if, well, if see, you... I won't I don't ever watch Manchester City games. I just can't watch them. I find their games worse to watch. Then, and not just because of the way they play and this is boring, that's boring. It's not that. It's there's an inevitability about them scoring 
And when they score, it makes me feel very, very bad. <laughs> so I just don't watch their games. I just yep. don't watch them. I will, I'll check the results. I'll, I'll, I'll look and see how the game's going, but I actually don't watch their games. I, I physically stay away from all of their games. I find it's yeah. better for my mental health. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I don't really enjoy the way they play either, but, um, you know, I'll always check the score and I'm, I'm like, well, maybe there's hope. And then third minute Holland goal or something. Yeah. Like that. And, so, and that's, but that's why I just can't, I just can't watch him because it just, yeah. it feels like someone's punching me in the gut every time they score. And I just, I just can't take it. So I just, I just leave it alone. Yeah. But Liverpool dropping points was handy. That was the, you know, the two bright spots of the weekend was Liverpool not beating Luton. And obviously the, the game yesterday, although it's never good to cheer a Chelsea win, but Spurs deserved that last night. Yeah. So I was I was glad to see him, glad to see him get a bit of a thrashing. I think Chelsea's going to be, you know, I mean, they could pull it together, but I, I think they're going to be mostly uh, irrelevant this season. I, I just don't see it. Um, no, well, I think they, um, I think they play Man City the weekend, don't they? I believe that they've got Man City the weekend. Let me see. Let me just might be a fun one to watch. No, I won't watch it. I will not be watching it. So Tottenham are at Wolves early in the morning. Uh, yeah, Chelsea, Man City. Oh, it's it's at Chelsea as well. That's a Sunday afternoon. So I won't be watching, but you you feel free. I will check the uh, I'll check the results and I might watch the highlights if they get beat, which they won't. So I just won't bother yeah. watching. <laughs> so okay. All right, mate. Well, like I said, it was just a quick episode tonight. So we'll we'll leave it there and we'll be back with you on Thursday. So thanks a lot, Juz. And uh, I know you're feeling jet lagged and got a cold and all the stuff yeah. that usually comes with getting off of aeroplane. So yeah. uh, rest up and uh, enjoy the severe game tomorrow and I will talk to you after. All right. Sounds good. All right, mate. Have a good yeah, night. Yeah.